Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at Steve rwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Good evening, everyone. It's good to be with you again on this Wednesday evening, and we thank you for being a part of our broadcast tonight. We're continuing our study through the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll begin at chapter 12, read through verse 26. The title of my message or my lesson tonight is The Body of Christ, and I think that'll make sense as we get on into our broadcast tonight. But I'll read, first of all, from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For as the body is one and has many parts, And all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by the Spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and we were all made drink of one Spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now, God has placed every one of the parts in one body, just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Now there are many parts, yet one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. And those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor and our unpresentable parts have a better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Indeed, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no divisions in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, All the members rejoice with it. Our Father, we thank you for this description that you've given of the body. Help us tonight that we might be able to understand in greater detail what it means to be a part of the body of Christ and what the body of Christ is. And I pray that your blessings would be upon each one that's listening to this broadcast tonight and help us to honor you in all that we say and all that we do. Help us to be your people and help us to be the witnesses 
that we need to be in our lives everywhere. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are different figures of speech that are used to describe the nature and the function of a church in the scriptures. One of these is the body of Christ, as we read this tonight. The church is not a building. It's not a place or street address. It's not just an organization. Think about this now. The church is an organism. That word means, as we define organism, any individual animal or plant having diverse organs and parts that function together as a whole to maintain life and its activities. Now, is that not what a church is as Jesus has described it here in the Word of God? I believe so. In three consecutive parables in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells stories about people who lost something. The first one is a sheep, the second one a coin, and the third one is a child. And having found it again, they throw a party in celebration of finding that which was lost, that which was gone. We can relate to the joy that's described in the final of these parables. Instinctively, we too welcome friends and family to our birthdays, to our weddings, to our new homes, because we're happy and we want others to rejoice with us in what we found, what we have. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, verse 16, rejoice with those who rejoice. Our shared joy with other believers is rooted in our shared life. As today's passage makes clear, there are no solo Christians. Each believer is united to Christ, which therefore brings that person into relationship with everyone else who is united in Christ in that body. The rich diversity of the members feet, hands, eyes, ears, means that each one makes important and unique contributions to the flourishing of the whole body. Just as a physical body needs each of its parts, so the body of Christ needs each member. And just as damaging or healthy in one part of the body, has implication for the rest. Suffering or rejoicing by an individual member of Christ affects everyone in the church, everyone in that body. Now think about it for just a moment. Hillside Baptist Chapel is a group of people that God has gathered together, God has placed in this body, and when one member is missing, there's a hole. When one member is hurting, there's a hurt for the whole body. When one member is rejoicing, the whole church is able to rejoice together. Here at Hillside, just as God has placed the members here in this body, we need to think about our responsibility, our place, 
and what God wants from our lives as we do the work that God has called us to do here in Bochetti. Now, while unbelievers may greet one another's success with inward envy, believers can give thanks for the blessings that God has granted those around us. Because we know that a blessing giving, given to one individual is also a blessing to the whole body. The Lord places the parts in the body, each one with unique gifts and graces for the good of everyone in our church. And we find that in verses 18 and 19 in particular in our scripture reading. Now, please hold your Bibles open to that place because we're going to go back to it and look at some more of these verses in just a moment. But in prayer, sick members can give thanks for healthy members. Financially needy members can praise the Lord for financially stable members. The lonely can rejoice with those whom God has set in families. And they can't look at these families and, and fellowship with these families without having that special care and special place in their lives that they're a part of something greater. They're part of something bigger and they're not as lonely anymore. Such thanksgiving feathers our unity, keeping us from division and expressing our equal concern for each other, as he says in verse 25. The churches not to think of themselves as just individuals. Concern in the church tells us that Jesus is our source. He's our sustainer. He's our sovereign. And we're going to think about these things. We're going to look at these things a little deeper as we look at this particular passage of scripture. Now, also, I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. I know this is not part of our scripture reading tonight, but there's some things that the Apostle Paul has said to the Ephesians that relate to this particular thought we've got about the body here in 1 Corinthians 12. Look at his head. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23 says, For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. The head of the body is the brain. The brain thinks. Well, it's supposed to anyway. The body follows the leadership of the head. It doesn't act on its own. The true churches of Christ will never become brain dead because he's the head. He's the boss. He's the authority. Now look at his heart. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. He loves her with all of his heart. He's the heartbeat of the church. Granted, some churches seem to be on life support but, and maybe only one heartbeat away from death. They need a Jesus jolt, or they need a Savior shock that they might get back in the game and that they might serve the Lord more acceptably. 
Let's look at the hands. Ephesians 5.26. It says, To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. He washes and cleanses the church. Look at verse 29. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does for the church. He feeds the church. He nourishes the church because he cherishes the church. Now, the head without the body is incomplete, right? <laughs> the body must function properly if the head is to proceed according to the divine plan. As her sustainer, look at his requirements. She belongs to him. The church belongs to the Lord. He has every right to request, to order, to demand. What does he require? Well, the first thing we see in our scripture reading is unity. In verse 12 of our scripture reading in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, For the body is one and has many parts, and all parts of the body, though many, are one body. So also is Christ. Unity in the church. He calls for unity, not conformity. He is not saying that Christ's body is an exact counterpart of the human body. He simply uses the human body as an illustration. Our body is one, yet it has many members, just as our human body is one and has many parts. Every member is important. We're his body. And every member is important to the Lord. And every member is important to the church. Don't get divided over issues. Don't get divided over programs. And be concerned for the welfare of the whole. We look out for one another. And in the church, there's diversity. Verses 15 through 20 tells us about that. He says, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body. You remember that? And then the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I don't belong to the body. You see, there's diversity. We're not all the same. We have different abilities. We have different talents. We have different concerns. Go back out and, uh, and, and check verses 4 through 11 that we didn't read. He uses the word different there, meaning varieties, allotments, distributions. We each have differences, don't we, in the church. And then he talks about working. This is energy. For the common good, he says, to glorify God and to profit the church as a whole. And then we're to have harmony. This is one of the things that the Lord wants in his churches. All members complement one another. The eye complements the ear. The ear complements the hand. You know, we could go on and on comparing and thinking about how these things work in our human body. And the word superior or inferior should be cast aside. No member is inferior. 
and no member is superior. We have all a responsibility and a place in the body, in the Lord's church. There should be solidarity. Verses 22 through 26 tells us about that. But even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. You see, they're not weaker. They just have a different place, a different responsibility, a different part to play. And so all members complement one another. And all members are necessary to the proper function of the body. Solidarity can be seen because if one suffers, all should suffer. If one rejoices, all should rejoice. It is through his body that he accomplishes his purpose and he performs his task on this earth. You see, our church is given the mandate to go out and reach our community, to go out and reach our world, to be a witness to those around us. We have a responsibility to be Jesus to those around us. Let others see Christ in us. And then as her sovereign, as Jesus is her sovereign, look at his room. Is there room for a person like me in a church like yours, someone might ask? Now we sing a song that says there's room at the cross for you. There should also be room in his church. This church here known as Hillside Baptist. We say our doors are open. And I think everyone means that here in our church. This is a part of who we are. But oftentimes, the hearts of the people in some churches are closed. The church should prove there's room by her evangelistic efforts, by her missionary movements, by her dis, uh, discipleship desires. The church should be a place for leadership, discipleship, fellowship, stewardship, worship, and for the Lord to be Lord of all. If not, we need to either shape up or ship out, as we've heard that saying before. God help us to be, to act, and to do as the body of Christ here in Boquete. Respectively, in the Apostle Paul's letters, we read from Ephesians and 1 Corinthians here tonight, he expresses his joy in the believers. Joy in their growing faith. Joy in their fellowship with one another. Joy in their unity. He tells the Corinthians that he gives thanks for them always in chapter 1 and verse 4 that we had looked at before. And in the Ephesians, he tells them that he does not cease to give thanks for them in chapter 1, verse 16. Like the Apostle Paul, 
we must embrace every opportunity to rejoice with others at the grace of God in their lives and how God is using them and how God is using us collectively to be the light in this community. Our Father, we thank you tonight for the opportunity to look at more parts of your word, in particular tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Thank you for this study that we've been able to make of this particular letter. Thank you for how it's challenged us. Thank you for the insights that we've been given. And help us tonight as we think about our church, Hillside Baptist, that we will be more active, more involved. We will allow you to use us more effectively in this congregation. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stay tuned for a short weekly editorial with Face to Face with Dr. Fred. Today I am going back over 30 years ago when Marlene and I were dating. She gave me what I will be reading to you of a wonderful event that Dr. Charles Allen, who was pastor of the First Methodist Church, Houston, Texas, gave his congregation. The event starts this way. A few years ago, a salesman went to a regional sales convention in Chicago. They had assured their wives that they would be home in plenty of time for Friday night's dinner. In the rush, with tickets and briefcases, one of these salesmen inadvertently kicked over a table which held a display of apples. Apples flew everywhere. Without stopping or looking back, they all managed to reach the plane in time for their new, uh, nearly missed boarding, all but one. He paused, took a deep breath, got in touch with his feelings, and experienced a twinge of compassion for the girl whose apple stand had been overturned. He told his buddies, hey, go on without me. And he waved him goodbye, told one of them to call his wife when they arrived at their home destination and explain his taking a later flight. Then he returned to the terminal where the apples were all over the terminal floor. He was glad he did. The 16-year-old girl was totally blind. She was softly crying tears running down her cheeks in frustration and at the same time helplessly groping for her spilled produce as the crowd swirled about her, no one stopping and no one to care for her plight. The salesman knelt on the floor with her, gathered up the apples, put them back on the table and help organize her display. As he did this, he noticed that many of them had become battered and bruised. These he set aside in another basket. When he had finished, he pulled out his wallet and said to the girl, Here, please take this $40 for the damage we did. Are you okay? Okay. 
She nodded through her tears. He continued on with, I hope we didn't spoil your day too badly. As the salesman started to walk away, the bewildered blind girl called out to him, Mr. Mr. He paused, turned to look back into those blind eyes. She continued, Are you Jesus? He stopped in mid-stride, and he wondered. Then slowly he made his way to catch the later flight with the question burning and bouncing about in his soul. Are you Jesus? Do people mistake you for Jesus? That's our destiny, is it not? To be so much like Jesus that people cannot tell the difference as we live and interact with a world that is blind to his love, his life, and his grace. If we claim to know him, we should live, walk, and act as he would. Knowing him is more than simply quoting scripture and going to church. It's actually living the word as life unfolds day to day. You are the apple of his eye, even though we too have been bruised by a fall. He stopped what he was doing and picked you and me up on a hill called Calvary and paid in full for our damaged fruit. Sometimes we just take things for granted, don't we? When we really need to be sharing what we know, and that is Jesus, and that is Jesus. Oh Lord, help us to be like Jesus our Savior. Amen. This concludes HBC's weekly Bible study. Please join us every Wednesday for Bible study at 7 p.m. Thank you, and God bless.